When I was 20 years old, I had just joined my first Bible study. Um, I had kind of walked away from God. Not really, but kind of. Like my, my life didn't tell the story that I believed in Jesus, if you know what I mean, when I, was in, when I was in my teenager years. And then 20, I was like, you know what? Screw playing video games 24 hours a day. I need to get <laughs> legit, not 24 hours, but a lot. 16 hours sometimes. Those are bad days, but that's not who I am anymore. Um, <laughs> I decided I need to go back to church and I didn't really have many friends and I didn't really like have many church connections but I was like I'm just gonna go back to church I'm just gonna suck it up it's gonna be you know it's gonna be all right I'll I'll, I'll figure it out <laughs> and it was kind of average at first like no one really talked to me for a while but then I just pushed through that and I became friends with everyone um, so then I was in I, I joined a Bible study in my first few weeks and I loved it because I just I don't know, I had like an affinity for the Bible. I just, I just loved the word and I didn't know much about it at that point, but it was good. And I was, I was going really strong in it. I was going really well in it. One day, I remember this very vividly. I was sitting at my computer and my sister, Haley, she'd been a Christian just frothing for her whole life, which is awesome. Um, she came up to me and she was like, how's Bible study going? I was like, oh yeah, it's good. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's, I'm learning a lot, but it's like, it's really challenging. And she goes, oh, what do you mean challenging? Like predestination? And I was like, wait, what? And she was like, well, that's like the most challenging thing in the world, predestination. And I was like, what, what the heck is predestination? So I Googled it and it was like, it was like a Wikipedia page. I was a renter. I was like, what the heck is this? And it was at that moment that I learned that there are doctrines, that there are teachings out there, or at least this is what I thought at the time, right? Doctrines and teachings out there about God that I don't like. <laughs> Does that make sense? And I, I have to just suck it up. <laughs> Put aside what I what I enjoy and what makes sense to me and what I like and just believe it anyway. And if I can't relate to him and if I can't get it, if I can't whatever, doesn't matter. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. It, up to that point, I enjoyed everything that I learned. Every single thing. But then this idea came in predestination and I go, <laughs> I don't like that. That seems really, really cruel. Do you guys know what predestination is? Like the topic, the word, just... The general different theologies around it yeah no yeah briefly Briefly. i'll just i'll quickly sum it up okay so there's definitely very there's lots of different teachings about predestination the predominant one i've seen is called calvinism and that basically states that let me try and get this right because i want to honor people that do actually believe this um that there is people that are predestined to go to the kingdom of god and there are people who are predestined to go to hell now, they might say that God picks all those who go to heaven, but doesn't pick those who go to hell, and they're just kind of left over. I don't really get that, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> but they, they, either way, it's God's decision. And you might feel like you have free will, but technically you don't. <laughs> it's all an illusion. <laughs> Does that make sense? And so I started learning about that. I was like, hang on, that's, for me, I don't like that because that's very, very unfair. I, before that moment of my sister telling me about that topic, I was like, it makes sense that those like who believe in Jesus, they decide, they decide that for themselves. They're the ones that get to go to heaven and those who don't, they don't. That made a lot more sense to me. But then, then, then this idea of like, no, 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 God decides. I was like, wait, what? And that, that began the journey of me. I'm not kidding. I was like, so I was 20. I'm 27 now. Like seven years? <laughs> Man, maybe, maybe six years. Six, a six-year journey started at that, at that night where I was like, okay, lots and lots of people believe this thing that I don't like. I don't get and I can't relate to, but I'm just going to have to find a way to deal with it. 
And so what I did was I went from every single different perspective on predestination that I could ever find. And at some point, if you had stopped me between now and then seven years ago, I would have been on one of those different points. I went through all of them. At, at some different point, they all made sense to me. Like some believe that you had free will, some that you didn't. Some believe that God saw all infinite possibilities and so looked down the barrel of time and saw who would choose him given any set of circumstances and therefore he chose them. Like, that's what I believed for a while when I was like 22, I think. Um, that was a good year of my life. <laughs> um, but yeah, because the thing is, you could tell I was, in, I was in turmoil. I didn't like it. I, I felt like I wanted to walk away from God because there's no way I would ever act like that. And so if I'm not going to act like that, and that, in fact, that would be cruel to me and evil to me, why would I follow him? You guys know what I'm saying? Um, okay. <coughs> this, was, this was a massive, massive stumbling block for me. I wanted to draw near to God, but because I did not like this side of him, the more I thought about it, the more I was just like, I can't draw near to you. I can't, I can't trust you. Like I, I, there's a part of me in my relationship with God that kind of died that day. It was this idea that I can, because before I kind of viewed him as this person I want to be like, but now it's no longer so. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I want to be like you in every way, oh, except for that one issue. <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't sell well. <laughs> um, for me, the way I viewed it anyway, it was equivalent to a father picking his favorite children and kicking the rest of them out. <laughs> We're supposed to be a father like God's a father, right? But if you see a father doing that, you're a bad father. <laughs> That's a bad father. <laughs> um, but we think God's like that, or at least I thought that he was like that. I don't know. Um, that was infinitely more wicked to me than I could relate at all. Like that was just, why would you do that, God? Um, now, I'm not the only one who struggled with this. I have a friend of mine who, as far as I can tell, has completely rejected Christianity because of this teaching that he heard in predestination when he was about 20. He goes, okay, that's what the Bible says. That's what everyone believes. Sweet. I'm out of here. I'm done. That's enough for me. Completely rejected it. Walked away. Never came back. Um, Ben also. um, Some of you guys were here for his testimony. Um, I think it's probably when you mentioned it in that mental health week. Yeah. But... Yeah, yeah. Can I, is it cool if I re-share yeah. that? Ben had part of his testimony that he tried to take his own life a couple times. And was it both times or just one time that the thought of predestination came into your mind? Uh, Probably both? No, nah, just once. Just once, but, okay. Um, but what? But it's all, it was always just like in the background. In the background, yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's a funny thing. I used to be a youth leader to Ben back in the day. This is like five years ago or something. And I actually taught him... <laughs> <laughs> this doctrine because that was taught to me that was right and you should have felt the pressure on me at that young age to conform to that particular doctrine it was insane every single preacher and teacher that I look up to they believe that I was like who am I to disagree with them they're writing books they're, they're traveling around the world doing conferences and they all believe this like crazy doctrine that I just can't relate to at all but I guess it must be right and so I taught Ben <laughs> And then Ben said... And we brutalized you, remember? Yeah, you brutalized me for it. That was funny. (laughs) You guys are just like, that makes no sense. I was like, just suck it up and believe it. (laughs) I had to, you have to as well. Um, (laughs) That's the funny thing is that you guys are making fun of me for it. Or not making fun, but you're just like, this is stupid. And I was like, I had to like... My mind was like, I know, I fully agree. My my mouth couldn't agree. (laughs) Yeah, it was just funny. Because that's the thing, I was, I was under pressure. 
Like I didn't read the Bible and go, oh, this is what I believe. It was like, no, this is what's presented to me. And 5,000 people around me all believe it. So you better, better get on board, Nath. <laughs> That's kind of how it was. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I, like I said, I went through all the different like phases of it. I picked another one that was no one believed. Like I, I, one friend believed it and he told me about it and I was like, that's what I want to believe from now on because that sounds a lot better. I picked that and I got so much crap for it. People are like, that's unbiblical, that's heresy, that's this, it's that. Like, not sure if you're saved anymore, da, 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 da. I was like, whoa, holy crap, this is intense. Anyway, so, sorry, back to Ben. Part of his testimony was, as he was considering taking his own life, sorry to get Devo on, on this situation, um, the thought was, maybe you can explain it better. What was it like that? Oh, you're not predestined anyway, so what's the point? Is that kind yeah, of it? Yeah, like you're already predestined to hell, so there's no point yeah. in staying alive right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you thought, well, like, I don't have a relationship with God. I can't have a relationship with God. I'm going out and doing all these things. Like, it's not godly. Therefore, I must be predestined to hell. Therefore, I may as well just end it now. Is that yeah. kind of it? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I don't like that at all. Um, so that's maybe not... 100% common as in like not everyone's going to have that kind of testimony but for sure I've, I've experienced similar things like oh but you're just predestined for this oh you're just predestined for that God made you this way God made you that way just just deal with it just live like that yeah anyway I'm, I'm getting to what, what I actually think about this um, many people I believe take a big step backward from true intimacy with God when they find out about this topic they take a big step backward because they can no longer trust him Remember I gave you that, remember I did that God is good talk, this is ages ago, beginning of the year, and I said, <laughs> I gave you that crazy example, I said, if every time me and Amber went for a hug, one in ten I just slap her across the face, <laughs> like just a random, just, I just pick whenever I just randomly do it, right? Would she ever draw near to me again? She might, but she'd be really hesitant, <laughs> she'd be like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you'll never draw close to something that you can't trust. It's simple. You can't. And so we wonder why some people have like lack intimacy in, with God in churches. They can't relate to Him at all. Like this very basic like core foundational teaching. They can't relate at all. You know what I mean? That's, that's a big deal. If we can't relate to God, why, would, why on earth would you want to be like Him? That's kind of the, that's kind of the key, guys. <laughs> be like God. <laughs> godliness. That's what godliness is. Being like God. <laughs> anyway, Jesus. Okay. Um, they, they hear that, so this is people again. People take a big step back from intimacy, true, true intimacy with God because they hear that God essentially discriminates against people with a mysterious will that we cannot know. Um, <clears throat> now, you may have the ability to be able to suppress your initial discomfort at this and you may be able to eventually be okay with this doctrine but you will lose intimacy with him because you cannot fully trust him or relate to him. So even if you do take on this, this mindset, God picks duck, duck, goose, right? Hell, hell, heaven, hell, hell, heaven, hell, hell, heaven, right? That's kind of how it comes across. If you can somehow wrap your mind around that and be okay with that and still like worship God, you, you still will never be able to draw close in a completely intimate fashion. There's just no way. You can't. You're not exploding with, with joy from your heart at his goodness. You're disappointed that he's like this. <coughs> you know what I'm saying? You might not say it, but deep, 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 deep down, that's how you think, and therefore that's what you believe. Jesus. Okay. Um, 
you would not be a parent like this doctrine explains that he is, so therefore you can't relate to him. It's, to be honest, this is insanity. This is madness. Complete madness. <laughs> Remember I said, um, with that, on that, that God is good talk, these two talks are very related by the way, God is good and this talk tonight. It is insanity that we think that God brings evil and sickness and death and hell. Like in insanity. Your mind has to be honestly twisted to believe that. Blinded, exactly, by the father of lies. <laughs> you have to, and, and you watch, people surround themselves with enough bad teaching, eventually they will absorb that and start to live it and then teach it themselves. It, you, you become like what you hang around, right? That's a pretty universal kind of law. Now, if you put yourself around bad teaching, eventually you will absorb it and you'll, and you'll say it back again. <laughs> it just kind of is how it is. Um, this doctrine will... <sighs> Break all comparison between you and him. That, that is key to Christianity. Christianity, becoming like Christ, being conformed to the image of Christ, it's key that you compare yourself to him. You know what I mean? Anything that tries to distract you from that you and him, him and you, you and him are in one spirit. You're raised and seated with him right now in the heavenly places. You're united. Any, any thought that distracts you from that is a lie. Especially this lie. This is a big, big, big lie. <laughs> Um, yes. Okay. And the thought might go like this. If I can't relate to him with this topic, how many other topics might this be true for? How far do me and God actually go together before we actually separate again? You know what I mean? It makes no sense. If you're made in his image, you're going to like him. If you don't like God, there's something really, really wrong there. <laughs> you don't see him for who he is. I lived my life for a long time believing my mom was better than God because of the way she lived her life and the way I thought about God. Then all of a sudden I realized one day, or actually probably was revealed to me by the Holy Spirit, actually definitely revealed to me by the Holy Spirit, <laughs> um, that I had it wrong. Because I made in His image, and therefore I bet, I bet when I see Him fully, I would love what I see. So I just, must, I just must not see Him right. And I made that decision, and from that point, God just went da 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 and showed me all these things that I just saw wrong about Him. And now I can honestly say I explode from my heart about the goodness of God. It overwhelms me at times how good he is. But it was a journey in getting to that place. Um, remember I told you that story a few months ago. This is on week four of teaching nights. This is November, December last year. Um, the story was, Amber had, um, she, was ha she was hanging out with some friends on a Saturday night. And so therefore I had no plans. So I was like, sweet, I'm just going to go home and read the Bible. Because I never get a chance to do that by myself. So I'm just going to go do it on a Saturday night. Um, so I went home, started reading. I was like, I'm just going to go through Romans. So I just opened the book of Romans and I just started reading it out loud, word for word. And everything, I was just going, yes, yes, Jesus. Because Romans like builds. It starts off with this like, like this is what sin was like and judgment and wrath. and But hang on a second, Jesus. And then faith and then dead and then raised. And then Romans 8, you know, Romans 8. Wow, Romans 8. <laughs> Um, and I was like, yes, I was like having the time of my life and then flip the page this, this way, yeah. Romans nine. And then, okay. I actually physically felt this in my body. The joy left me. It, it left me. I got sad when I started reading that passage because that, that, that passage is the, I'm going to talk about it tonight. That's the main passage that people would go to, to be like, God is cruel. God is what the heck? Like God is... 
God is unfair. Like it's all these things about sovereignty, and we'll get we'll get into it tonight. But the the joy left the room, and I was like, what the heck just happened? Like just because I, and I was reading the Bible of all things. Like I understand if I was reading a different book and someone wrote like a bad chapter, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> but I was reading the Word of God, and I hated it. I hated it. <laughs> that means I was reading it wrong. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I had the wrong perspective. Because I don't hate my father. I love my father. And if I start hating him, I'm seeing it wrong. It's not that he's wrong, it's that I'm wrong. You know what I'm saying? But it took me a while to get to that point. I was down for a while. I was like, it was a good half an hour period. I was just like, I I don't know if I like God anymore. Like, no, like, I don't know. I was just in a devo phase. But I made a decision at that night. I was like, God, something just happened here. I don't fully understand it. But I know that I'm reading this passage wrong because as I read it, I don't like you. So therefore I'm wrong. It's not that you, it's not that you are wrong, it's that I am wrong. And so God, you are going to have to teach me this passage little bit by little bit, the whole thing. And I didn't go out and find, start searching on YouTube for like predestination sermons. I'd, I'd lived six years like that. I was done with that. I'd gone through every single one and I was like, nah. Like I, I, n- none of them were like, none of them honored the scripture. And none of them made full sense of everything. Does that make sense? So I was like, God, you're going to have to teach me. And so I promised what I'm going to teach you tonight. He taught me because he did teach me. I didn't get this from anyone. I've never heard a sermon like this. No one's preached this to me. I can't normally say that about everything I preach. Most things I get from other people. But tonight, this is direct from God. Um, And it didn't happen overnight either. It honestly took... I would guess four months and I didn't ask him every single day, God, teach me Romans 9. It wasn't like that. I was like, I made one, I made one prayer. I was like, God, you're going to have to show me Romans chapter 9. I don't like it. So please teach me it. And you know what heaven says when you ask a question like that? Sure. <laughs> Why would he not? He loves giving good gifts. <laughs> He's a good father. Okay, so now I'm going to explain my journey through this chapter. It's been um, lots of ups and downs. But I'm in, a good, I'm, in a, I'm in a good place with it. It makes sense to me now. Um, yeah, you guys can flip there if you want. Romans chapter 9. Um, so, <coughs> now, this isn't a few things I'm going to say in pre- in, to preface. This is not the only chapter on this topic. Um, the other one that's like a, pre- a main topic to do with predestination, that sort of stuff, is Ephesians chapter 1, where it says we have been blessed with every uh, spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, da, 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 huge long sentence. And it says we have been predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son of God. So it uses that word, predestined. Romans, Romans 9 does not use the word predestined. Romans 8 does, but Romans 9 does not. Ephesians 1 says you've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. So what I think, I'm not going to spend time in Ephesians 1, but what I think that means is, You've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Doesn't mean God went, yeah, I picked Luke for that. I pick Johnny for that. Courtney, no, sorry. Um, anyone else want to be conformed to the image of Jesus? Yeah, Ben. Oh, no, that was, that was a work. That wasn't faith. Sorry, you're, you're cut out. It's not like that. It's everyone is predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Everyone was. Everyone is. You know what I mean? Now, what I'm going to get into tonight is some people choose the way 
of God and some people don't. And there is one way of God and that way is faith. There is no other way. It's only faith. Saved by grace alone, through faith alone. Um, and that's actually what the whole book of Romans is about and the whole chapter of Romans 9 is about. So, okay, there are other passages about this stuff and I'm not going to touch on them for two reasons. One, I don't have time because this is a big topic and I can't just cover everything in one night. Two, um, I don't know everything about this topic. <laughs> I'm not claiming to. <laughs> I'm merely sharing my journey with, with this topic with you guys. There are some passages I don't fully get how they work. I'll be honest with you. I don't understand how they work. I don't understand how they fit. I'm asking God about them too. He will teach me them. Um, that's just me being honest. But what I believe about God with this topic, I'm confident. I'm confident because it's in the scripture. That's why I'm confident because it says it right there. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Romans chapter nine. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this chapter. Maybe not the whole thing straight away. Um, but I'm going to read it and you're going to understand because maybe you've never read this chapter before and I want you guys to know it because as you read it, hopefully things will stick out at you and you'll go, oh, I don't like that. Oh, it doesn't make sense to me. What does that mean? That's unfair. Why would God do that? I want you to react like that because that's, I, I, I honestly feel that is how the enemy wants us to read this chapter, judging God, evaluating God's decisions and being discontent with what we read. That's how I've always read this chapter until recently. I didn't like it. In fact, I would skip over it. Romans 8, Romans 10. <laughs> Keep moving on. I didn't like it. Okay. Um, yeah, okay, let's just read. Romans chapter 9, verse 1. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Paul is saying, I would rather be cut off from Christ just so Israel and all my fellow Israelites and Pharisees and all those guys can be saved. It's amazing. I want that kind of love. They are Israelites and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs and from there the race according to the flesh is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall, offspring, shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. For this is what the promise said, About this time next year I will return and Sarah shall have a son. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our, our forefather <coughs> Isaac, Though they were not yet born, and this is where it starts to get a bit hectic, though they were not yet born and had done nothing good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but by him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom, whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show you my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then, as his, so then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. You will then say to me, um, Why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? 
But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he has called not only from the Jews, but, um, but also from the Gentiles. That's enough for now. Now, just to be honest, does anyone read that and go, I don't really like a lot of that? Yeah, anyone? Cool. This is some people. We won't waste tonight. <laughs> um, okay, there are three main parts of what I just read out that I traditionally really struggled with. Um, the first one is in chapter, uh, sorry, verse 11. Though they were not yet born and had done nothing good or bad, just talking about Jacob and Esau, Isaac's children, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Yeah. Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. <laughs> I was like, what? Why would you? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to explain all these, by the way. The second one was, for the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my, name might be, my, that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. For me, when I read that, I was like, so you, you created Pharaoh to raise him up, to harden him, to then punish him, to show your power in him, so that your name might be proclaimed on the earth. I was like, What? I'm not going to worship a God like that. That's horrific. You made him that way, then you punished him for it. <laughs> he can't help it. <laughs> you made him that way. <laughs> Insanity. Okay, point, and, the, and the third one was, but who, who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what, will what is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump vessel Sorry, yeah, a vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use. So it's like what he's saying is that he goes, if you're a lump of clay and God's molded you in a certain way, how can you say back to your God, why have you made me like this? <laughs> I was like, that, I would say that. Like, if you've, if you've created me beforehand for destruction and I don't want to be destroyed, I would look back at the potter and go, why did you make me for destruction <laughs> I would say that but Paul's like who are you to speak back to God and I'm like can I not get out of destruction <laughs> do you know what I mean anyway do, do, yeah you guys get what I'm saying right those three things especially were just like they were big big stumbling blocks and I could not get past them every time I read them my heart hurt I was in pain reading the Bible no other scripture has hurt me as much as this scripture um they robbed me of my joy, to be honest with you. Well, actually, the scripture didn't. I robbed me of my joy by reading it wrong. But I thought it was the scripture that I didn't like. But it was my perspective on it. Anyway, we'll get into that. I wanted to enjoy the character of God, but these verses stopped me. It's, that sounds like very extreme, but it's very true. I wanted to enjoy him. I couldn't. I didn't like him. I liked parts of him. I liked when he put Jesus on the cross instead of me. That was awesome. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. Uh, I was supposed to be on there, no, Jesus. No, 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 yeah, don't <laughs> Something you want to say, Ange? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I wanted to enjoy him, but I couldn't. 
it just it just hurt i couldn't get past it so yeah like i said i cried out to god and i said explain this passage to me because i know by faith that there is a pa- there is a way to read this passage that doesn't hurt but brings life i bet i can read this passage and explode in joy i bet that i can because that's what you're like the more i find about out about you the more joy i get because i'm created for you that's what I believe about you. Therefore, this is your word. Therefore, I'm going to have that experience while I read this passage. So instead of it producing death, it's going to produce life in me. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't really need to know how it's going to work. I just need to know that you're going to teach me. You know what I mean? It's a step of faith. I, I can't see it right now, but I'm sure it's there. <laughs> That's faith. Okay. Okay. Let's go through this chapter. Firstly, Romans 9 does not exist. There is no such thing as Romans 9. There is Romans there is no chapters. They were added later. They were added, anyone know when they were added? Heaps later. <laughs> Significantly later. In fact, the Bible wasn't even translated into all these different languages until like, it's like for 1400 or something. It was in Latin for ages and only those who could read Latin could actually read it out. We've come a long way. I know, I know, right? Wow. Seriously. But then 100 years after that, that's when Martin Luther started reading it, especially this book, Romans, and he goes, hang on, just live by faith, not by works. And that's when the, the Protestant Reformation happened. He wow. split away from the Catholic Church. Anyway, it's another, a story for another time. Um, Romans 9 does not exist. Romans exist. In fact, even Romans is a title that's been given by men. Paul didn't say, call this letter Romans, call this one Philippians. It's to the Philippian church, to the Roman church, to the Corinthian church, to the, Coloss- to the people at Colossae, so on and so forth. So we added the chapters. And so that's not a bad thing. Chapters are good. I like chapters. That means I can find verses very easily and very quickly. And I can write down one verse because it's, I know where it is. Um, but what that means sometimes is we go, oh, I get it. Okay, so it goes Romans 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. 8 means this, 9 means this, 10 means this, 5 means this, 4 means this, so on and so forth, right? So you split 9 into its own thing. 9 is not its own thing. There are no own things. There is one message. There's one message in Romans. That's it. There's not 16 messages. There's one. And every single chapter serves that one message. Now, does anyone know? It's three words what the one message in Romans is. Anyone have a guess? And I'm not going to say you're wrong (laughs) if you don't say the same ones that I do. But anyone have a guess? Three words. Live by faith. Oh, that's very close. Grace through faith. We've got the through faith part, right? There's, there's a word I'm looking for. Save. Very close. That's closer. Oh, that was a good one. <laughs> Remember I said the just live by faith? Justified. Justified by faith. That is... Did you Google it though? Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> what, what does Romans mean? Quick, Google. <laughs> um... Justified by faith. Romans 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 19, 11, 12, 16. They all mean justified by faith. In their own way, they say different things, but they all serve that message. There is one message in Romans. Is that clear? Because if you take chapter 9 outside of the full context of Romans, then you're going to lose its overall meaning. If, you just, if you're looking for, let's say you go through a systematic theology and you go, show me all the chapters in the Bible on predestination. You get this one, you get Ephesians 1, you get all these different ones, right? And you start reading them and you go, oh my gosh, predestination is actually right there. Hang on a second. Take a step back. Romans 9 
needs to be read in the context of Romans 8. And 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. <laughs> and if you don't, then you miss it. So you've got to know what the whole point of the, why he wrote that letter. Why did he write that letter? That's a good question. <laughs> I'm saying he wrote it because he wanted to tell them that we are being made right in God's sight by faith. Now, if you, if you take that perspective and you read through the whole book, you go, oh, it's in every single chapter. Oh my gosh, this is crazy. <laughs> anyway, um, let me give you a quick breakdown of Romans so you can understand the context of Romans 9. Okay. Romans 1, 17 says this. The good news is, this is a, the um, NLT version. The good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. All the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. That's the start of the book. <laughs> this is accomplished from start to finish by faith. Um, Romans 1 and 2 then is about sin, the state of the world, the state of mankind, worshipping created things rather than, when the creator, than the creator. Then about, that's chapter 1. Then, then chapter 2 is, the religious people who think they're better than those guys in chapter one, but Paul goes, no, 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 you're exactly the same. Because if you break one law, you break all the law. There is no possibility of being justified by the law. You guys think there is, and you think you're holding to that. Like that's how the Pharisees carried themselves, right? We're good. We've actually kept it. We're morally superior than you. Jesus goes, you missed the first two commandments, then they were the biggest ones. Love God and love your neighbor. You don't do either of them. And they're just like, well, <laughs> actually they're not. They're just like, no, nah, I'm going to stone you. Um, <laughs> so that's chapter one and chapter two. Um, and that chapter one and chapter two are hectic. I, I struggle a little bit to read them because there's some serious, hectic, severe language in there. But that is what we deserved. Uh, hurts to hear. But that is, that is the state we were in before Christ, before being regenerated by him, being made one spirit with him. We were in that place. We worshipped and served the created things rather than the creator God and did horrible, evil things. Chapter 3, there's a shift in chapter 3. Now we get into, but God sent Jesus and he did this and da 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 da. Um, chapter 3 says this, right? This is verse 21, 22. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him. Notice this language. He has shown us a way to be made right with him. It's the, same, it's the same language throughout the whole book. Without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true of everyone who believes, no matter who we are. <laughs> How good is that? That's Romans 3, 21, 22. See the same theme? How do I get made right in God's sight? Romans goes, by faith. You might think, oh, that's pretty simple. I get it, Nathan. No, 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 no. Paul wrote a very long letter to show you everything that we, we try and do to be made right in God's sight. And he goes, that's a fail. That's death. That's, don't, don't go that way. And then he goes, okay, but if, if that's true, then what about all the Old Testament? What, what, was the, what was the point of the law and Israel and all those guys? That's chapter 10, 11, oh, sorry, 9, 10, and 11. And then chapter 12 through 16 is how to live it out. <laughs> um, anyway chapter 4 I like that that was nice um, chapter 4 is about Abraham and the way of faith do you guys ever read the Old Testament and you're like man what is this what's the point of this I'm reading about some guy like 6,000 years ago what's, what's the actual point a lot of it 
actually, I'm going to say the whole thing, is the shadow of what's to come. Abraham was a shadow of what's to come. He is physically, naturally, the father of Israel. So his, the children of Israel came through his line, but it's a shadow, right? Let's say there's a, I don't know, let's, where's the shadow around? <laughs> the shadows. <laughs> um, okay, there's shadows over there behind the surfboards. The shadow is the thing, and you're like, oh, what is that? It's a weird kind of shadow. I don't really get that. And then you, go, and then you see the surfboard, and say, oh, it's the surfboard, right? It's a lot clearer when you see the actual thing. So the shadow is like, yeah, I kind of get it. But then the New Testament, Jesus comes in, and he's the light of the world. So the light turns on, and you go, oh, it's a surfboard, right? So Abraham's a shadow, and he's actually, he's, he's the father of Israel, but prophetically and allegorically and metaphorically, he is the father of faith. So it wasn't you being born into Israel that saved you. It wasn't you being born a Jew that saved you. It was you believing him, believing in God. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So there's all this imagery in the Old Testament. We think, oh, it's just boring Jew stuff. I'm just going to read the New Testament. I like that stuff better. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's the same message all the way through, justified by faith. Mm-hmm. You can go read it. Yeah. It says, Paul loves this quote. He says it over and over again. He goes, Abraham believed God and God counted it to him as righteousness. This is Old Testament. This is way before Jesus. And God's like, yeah, you're righteous. I count to you as righteousness because you believe me. (laughs) And then he goes and gets circumcised. But then the Jews come and say, no, no, you must be circumcised in order to be counted righteous. If you look back at Abraham and he had faith and then circumcision. And they go, no, no, but you also have to have the law. The law came 430 years later. How on earth does the the law make you right? The law never made you right. The law is to show the fact that you're not right. You don't live right. <laughs> you guys know what I'm saying? There's a lot of imagery there. There's a lot of good stuff. Um, I didn't get all of it. There's some crazy stuff in there, but I'm learning. It's a journey. Um, okay. Chapter four says this. Abraham was, humanly speaking, naturally speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. Yes, that is true. Tick. What did he, what did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. Like if he'd done something, God was like, oh, that was amazing. You are right with me. Abraham's like, hell yeah. (laughs) He didn't do anything. He just believed him, which is a lack of work. (laughs) That's the only way that God works, by by you stopping your work and resting in faith. That is the only way. That's God's sovereign choice. Person A is working, person B is resting in faith. God goes, yeah, choose him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's just a taste of, the taste of what's going on. Okay. Um, uh, okay. If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way. <laughs> Literally the next verse. But that's not God's way. Don't, don't work to be right. For the scripture tells us, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift. So if you work all week and I pay you money, it's not a gift. It's what you earned. Mm-hmm. You're not going to say, oh, thank you so much. It's so generous of you. No, no, no. You, you earned it. It's nothing. It's, 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 now something that's, something, sorry, that's something you can boast about now. You, you earned that. You worked. You did it. I pay you. That's not righteousness. That's that thing, Mike, when you said about how we all lived under our chairs and there was like 500 bucks. Yeah. And we're all like, yes. And then you're just like, oh, that's actually for the work you did this week. So. Exactly. And you'd be like, oh, I was going to get that anyway. <laughs> Thanks a lot, God. But I kind of did this myself. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yes. 
For the scripture tells us Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. He's talking Old Testament. He's trying to draw this idea, justified by faith, three words, through the whole scripture. Because no one believed it when Jesus came onto the scene. No one did. Everyone missed it. Everyone was trying to do, 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 be, 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 to try and be okay. And no one was. Particularly the religious people. <laughs> it's backwards. Okay. Um, now, chapter 5 talks about, I'm just running you through the whole thing. Seeing as we have been made right with God through faith, it means da, 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 da. <laughs> See, this is Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been made right with God, <laughs> in God's sight, by faith, we have peace. With God, because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. See this theme? Made right with God, in His sight, right with God, justified. Now because you have been, you have peace. You guys don't feel that. You have peace. Why? Because you've been made right in His sight. It's, he's building. Paul is building here. He's building up to something. Um... Romans 6 talks about what is what this being made right with God looks like. We have died with him, we have risen with him, and so our rightness, so to speak, is not just our debt wiped. It's not just like, you know, he just wiped your debt, but we are united with Christ and fully dead to our old life, and all this is fully by faith, just by you believing, where you place your faith. That's where everything comes from. Romans 6.14 says, Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of grace, God's grace. The Bible says the only way to not break the law is to have no law to break. So what did God do? Remove the law as a requirement for you to live by. And what did he do instead? He gave you a new law. What's that law? Law of spirit, spirit of life. You live by the spirit now, not by the law. Why? Because you've been justified by faith in Christ. So there's nothing you can do to make yourself right or wrong. You've been justified by faith. Is it all coming together? All these things that just don't really make sense at first, be like, oh, I get it. Just by my face. That's by my face. I get it. <laughs> Romans 7 goes deeper on what it looks like to, to, sorry, on what it looks like to try and be right with God through doing right by the law. That's Paul's perspective. People go, oh, Romans 7 is so weird. He's like, he's like angry at himself. He's looking back and he's going, when I was under the law, I, I tried to do good. I really did try, but my body and my mind and my soul, my emotions, led me the opposite way. The more I tried to do good, the more I went bad. That's what he's saying. Um, the law brought death and there was no way of being right with God by following it. Romans 8 is probably the most intense chapter in the entire Bible. Um, I've said it to you guys many, many times. It is just full, full, full of just craziness. Um, it's awesome. Romans 8 demonstrates the culmination of this being made right with God through faith. What it actually looks like for your life. There's a title over my Romans 8 chapter that says, Life by the Spirit. So, it shows us what life in the Spirit now looks like. Do you know why? Because being made right with God. So now you live by the Spirit. <laughs> and it says some of the most incredible things ever. And the very last thing it says, this is all just to give you context for Romans 9. The very last thing it says is, and I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Yeah. Say nothing. 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 Wow. Um, nothing. <laughs> no thing. 
Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, nor even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky, above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a good verse. I like that verse. Um, I like all verses, but especially that verse. Um, <laughs> okay, that verse, right? Everyone knows that verse. Well, at least you've probably heard it a couple times before, right? Nothing can separate us. Nothing. Do you know that's the very, the, it's the very last verse before Romans 9 begins? So like for me, when I was back in the day, I was reading this and I was like, Romans 9, I hate. Romans 8, I love. And the two are like, next to each other. I don't get it. Why do I love one so much and hate the next one? I must be seeing it wrong. Um, Paul is like, seriously, this is the greatest thing ever. And what could honestly stop it? Nothing. Romans, I just want you guys to see, Romans only has one point. There's only one point. If you want to understand this chapter, this really strange chapter, it only has one point. And so I bet if Romans 1 through 8 is all the same point, but just sort of different angles of it, I bet Romans 9 is that same point too. Does that make sense? So if you take it out and you try and read it by itself, it's going to be really confusing. But when, once you read, if you read all of it, 1 through 8, and you go, holy crap, this is intense. Then you read Romans 9 and you go, okay, hang on a second here. He's not just going to switch gears and tell me it's all bad news. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Um, my big idea for tonight is, God only makes people right with him by faith. Every other method is rejected. So this is technically about predestination, but it's not. It's about the gospel. <laughs> being, made right, being, being made right with him through grace alone, through faith alone. Um, I used to hate the gospel. It was so boring. I was like, yeah, I get it. Grace alone, faith, faith alone. But then God opened my eyes to it. And if, and if you're like bored by this message, just know you see it wrong. <laughs> it's like the best message ever. And it never gets boring. If, 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 as in like it never gets dull or like, oh, I'm kind of over that. I heard that like five years ago now. Like, hey, come on, give me something new. No, no, no. You definitely see it wrong if you're thinking that way. I used to think that way. Actually, these boys used to think that way as well. They're like, can you stop preaching about the cross? Like, can you just tell about how, where's the miracles? Where's the, what, what do you want to know about? I don't know, just... Marriage and girls and <laughs> can I drink alcohol and <laughs> all that stuff? Because <laughs> you're bored. You're just like, I get it. Jesus made us right. Thank you so much, Jesus. Can we go play ping pong now? Like, <laughs> we missed it. I missed it. I was teaching them and I missed it. What hope did they have? None. The teacher didn't even believe it. But I was told that was right. You've got to keep preaching the gospel. Keep, keep, keep doing it. I never stopped the question, why don't, I, why don't I like this? Why is Paul freaking out about this message? And I'm just like, I'm going to play video games now. <laughs> I'm going to go watch a movie. Paul's like literally laying his life down for this. And he gets so mad when people take it and start doing something else with it. He gets so upset. I don't. Do you know what that means? I view it wrong. <laughs> just little, little things like this that will, just, that will just kick you into the next part of your journey. Because if you're bored... You're wrong. Simple as that. If you're bored, you're wrong. You can quote me on that. Put it on Instagram. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus be like, follow me. <laughs> 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 okay. 
Shameless plug. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. I just want you guys to grasp the whole book has one point. So when Paul writes a letter, even when I do a talk, right, I never have two points. I have one point. That's why I say my big idea is, my big idea is, because you can't handle two points. You can only handle one. When you're driving home tonight thinking about what, what you heard from me, you can't think about, oh, healing is this, but then baptism is this. And so, like, I'll just be talking about everything. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't, doesn't work that way. One point. There's only one point from Romans. Justified by faith. So when you come to Romans 9, you go, oh, okay, so this passage must be about justified by faith. doesn't seem like it, but I know it is because the whole rest of the book is. Does that make sense? We've got to read it in context. Okay. Okay, so as he starts Roman night, Romans 9, remember he's just finished the most hectic verses ever. What can separate us? Nothing. He's just finished that. He definitely starts a new argument. That's why they put a chapter there. He definitely has a shift at this point. Um, but like I said, it all falls under the one topic. So Romans 9, I'm going to put before you, addresses this question. Well, if God justifies anyone by faith and not by who they are or what they do, what the heck was the point of Israel and the law and the whole Old Testament? That's what he's trying to address here. If it's all by faith, God, why did you spend thousands of years <coughs> doing that thing with the temple and the tabernacle and all the rituals and the blood? And what, what, what were you thinking? Just tell us it's by faith. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's trying to address that problem. Okay. That's the mindset that Paul is trying to break down here with Romans 9. He's trying to say, no, no, no. It was always by faith and I'll show you it. People took it and they taught wrong things from it, but it's always been by faith. Um, so what he does is he's actually going to go back into the Old Testament and show that um, justified by faith was always the goal and always the perspective from day one. Ever since the fall, God was like, I'm going to make you right again by faith. Okay, um, let's read it again. Just verse one to six. I might get my other translation out because I think I like that one better. I'm reading the NLT if anyone wants to follow along. <clears throat> Romans. Okay. Verse 1 through 6 again. I speak the truth in Christ. Okay, before we move on from that. Why would he say that? Because people are like, no, you're lying. There's no way it's that easy. There's no way that God's actual plan was all you got to do is believe and that's it. There surely must be more than that. Paul's like, there isn't. Mm -hmm. I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Whoa, that's different. <laughs> Why did he go from the best chapter the most hectic chapter in the Bible too. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Can you think of more hectic words to say about yourself? Great sorrow, unceasing anguish. Why? Why does he have such great sorrow and unceasing anguish? Keep reading. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. The reason... 
Paul is so caught up right now, great sorrow and unceasing anguish, is because his people, who he grew up with, who surrounded him, who taught him everything about the scripture, who trained him in Pharisaism, <laughs> all that sort of stuff, they don't get this message. And the message has been clearly preached to them and they don't get it. They're still trying to do, 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 and do. Do is death. Quote me on that one too. <laughs> <laughs> to do is death. It is. You get caught in works. That's the cycle of death. I've been mentioning that a few times over the past few weeks. It's, it, it cuts you off from Christ. He doesn't, he doesn't go that way. He goes by faith. You know what I mean? Works kills people. <laughs> um, so, verse 4 again. People of Israel, theirs is the adoption to sonship, theirs the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, that's Jesus, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. So he's saying the whole Old Testament, now that there was, there was actual point in it. It wasn't, God just wasn't just like messing around with different, you right, Curtis? Yeah. <laughs> you just cracked an ankle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the cracking was the healing. Oh. It was bad, and then he cracked it. it. <laughs> um, so the whole Old Testament is not a waste of time. It's not what are you doing with all this, with all this crazy like ritual, traditional stuff, God? What are you doing? There was the point to it. There's the divine glory, the the promises, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all those guys. There is point to it, but it's all shadow. It's all shadow. None of it's full form. You're staring at it and you're going, I kind of get what God's like, but it's kind of confusing. I don't really know what to do. Well, that's good because it's a shadow. So when you see the substance of the thing that caught, that cast the shadow, which is Jesus, you go, oh, you like that. Oh, that's easy. I get that. <laughs> you're just a guy. <laughs> you're an awesome guy. <laughs> but I get it now. All those things are pointing to an element of, of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Justified by faith. Um, Okay, and verse 6, It is not as though God's word has failed, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. So, God's, what it seems like, I think what Paul's trying to address here is, it looks like in the Old Testament, God had this plan of like creating his, his people, Israel, and through them, he was going to do all these things. But it looks like it's failed. But Paul's like, no, 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 it's not failed. You just didn't get it. You know what I'm saying? Verse 6, it is not as though God's word has failed, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. So, here's where we get tricky. Is this making sense to you guys? Are you following along? Am I just going way too Old Testament? Make sure you ask questions if you don't get it, because I know there's a lot of like Old Testament stuff here, and it's kind of weird. Um, usually my sermons are not this like theologically deep, but this one has to be. Um, okay. Jesus. Okay. Okay. It is not as though God's original plan of the people of Israel. So in the Old Testament, if you were part of Israel, you were part of the covenant people of God. If you weren't, then you weren't. What, what race you got born into was whether or not you were in the promises or not. Now that, that kind of seems unfair, right? Because who chooses where they get born into, right? But that's not the point. Although that people of God were the ones entrusted with all these things, the point was never that 
only those who are born into a certain race get it. That's not the point. Though it, that's what it became, people started preaching that, being like, if you're not a Jew, you're not, you're not with God, stay away from us Gentiles. They would separate themselves. It, they were the enemies. Gentiles were the enemies. And, and the, is it the Samaritans that are half Gentile, half Jewish? Anyone know? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Even then, they were like half-breeds. Isn't it like in Harry Potter where it's like yeah, mudbloods? Mud <laughs> yeah, half-breeds. Half muggle, half wizard, witch. <laughs> and then, and uh, what's his name? Malfoy. He's like, um, he's like all on board with the Slytherin, you know, perspective. He's like, we only want pure-blooded. And actually, that's what Voldemort wants as well, right? So I'm going to Harry Potter here. But that's what Voldemort wants. He wants to get rid of all the mudbloods and make it a perfect, just like pure wizard society, right? That's exactly, that's what it was like with the Jews. They were so intense about their national identity. It was like a nationalism kind of thing. We are Jews. We keep away from you. We had, we had the promises of God. You, you guys just go, and, go off and do your own thing, you heathens. Worship your false idols. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what it became. Rather than love God and love your neighbor, <laughs> which is what it was designed to be, and through faith rather than through, you, through your national identity, like you chose that in the first place, right? <laughs> Come on. It's, it's insane. It's insane what, what, what it became like. But Paul is breaking down here. Not all who came from Israel are Israel. So not every person who was born a Jew actually got to participate in these promises. They think they did because they were born into a, a Jewish nation. But that's not true because the promise doesn't come by national identity nor by any works that you did, but by faith. <laughs> and then Paul goes... Let me prove it to you. Then this is where we go. Verse 7, right? Nor because they are his descendants are they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. So, how many children did Abraham have? One? Two. One. How many children did he have with Sarah, his wife? One. Okay, here's the story. God rocks up to this random dude named Abraham, right? He says, to those stars in the sky out there, you're going to have more descendants than you can count the number of stars. And he would have been in like the desert kind of area. So he could see all, we can't see all the stars because we're like with city lights and stuff. He could see all the stars. <laughs> it, it would have been like a blanket of stars. And he'd be like, oh, what? What are you talking about? But he didn't doubt. He said, yeah, I believe that. Wow. <laughs> and then... How many years passed? This is where I get a little bit lost. I think it was like 20 years passed since God spoke to him at that point and he had no child and he was 100 years old. He was old. He was way past the childbearing years. But his faith didn't waver, although it did for a moment. Overall, he held to what God said, but for a moment he doubted. And you know what he did? God said, I'm going to give you a son. And Abraham goes, no, it's okay. I got this. My, 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 my wife is way too old to bet a child. Don't worry, God. I'll help you out. I'll go and make a son with my slave girl. And we'll just use him. Does that sound good? I don't think he clarified that with God. He just went ahead and did it. And I'll so, help you out, God. <laughs> exactly. So that's the thing. When you don't see the promise coming, you go, oh, crap. I have to do something. That's an Ishmael. So he had a child with his servant girl. And that was Ishmael. Now, so 
But, but then, a, year, then a, a bit later, Abraham had a child with Sarah. She was very old and way, way past childbearing years, but she still conceived. It was a miracle. She had a son named Isaac. So now look at me, right? Abraham, imagine a family tree. Abraham's at the very top and he's got two children. Ishmael, Isaac, right? So if it's, if it's, if you just say, oh, but my father is Abraham, therefore I'm in God's promise, right? No, 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 no. Not all of God's, uh, Abraham's children are in the promise because it was by it, the, the, sorry, the promises of God worked a certain way. It wasn't though, even though Abraham was like, I'll help you out God and I'll, I'll make a child. The promise didn't go from Abraham to both children. It went from Abraham to one child. This child, he's still blessed, God blessed, but the original promise of the, you'll have descendants, uh, you'll have as many descendants as you can see in the sky, went through this child. Does that make sense? Now, this child's name's, child name was Isaac. He gets married to Rebecca, and she has two sons. Now we're gonna read that part in a second. Um, does that make sense what I just said? I know it's kind of a bit confusing. But the point is, these random people from thousands of years ago, which you think have no, no uh, relatability to your life, although they were people, they can be interpreted metaphorically. You guys know what I'm saying? Yeah. Paul does this in Galatians uh, 4. He says, Sarah and her child is one covenant, and Hag Hagar, that's the... Um, the slave woman that Abraham slept with to have another child is another promise. There are two promises. Although these people actually existed and lived real lives, we can interpret them metaphorically. Wow. You can interpret things, even people in the Old Testament, metaphorically. They teach you things about God because he went one way with one child and another way with another child. Why? Because it was by the promise and not by Abraham trying to force it to happen through the natural. The spirit not the natural. Does that make sense? Yep. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, that, that, it might, might be like, why are you talking to me about this? Why are you talking to me about this stuff, Nate? It doesn't make, what's the, what, how does this relate to me? You will see God's character much more clearly when you understand why he did the things he did in the Old Testament. Trust me, this is incredibly relevant for your lives because the just live by faith. So every single day, your life should be living by things that you do not see. That's what faith is, right? The conviction of things unseen. Every single day, that's what your life should look like. Well, how do I do that? Well, then you start looking at what does faith look like in the Word? And you start looking at these Old Testament stories and you go, oh, God chose this path of the family tree, but he didn't choose this one. Why did he do that? You start learning about these things and you go, oh, God's like that. I get it, I get it, I get it. Um, okay. Uh... So God is showing through that situation that I just explained, Isaac and Ishmael, sorry, Ishmael and Isaac, that he has, now hear me on this, God has a particular way of doing things. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So God has a sovereign choice. Do you know what I'm saying? It is not as though he's just going to bless that child as well as that child in the exact same way. God's like, I will still bless that child in a different way because I'm merciful and gracious, 
but the original promise is going the way I said it will go. That's God's sovereign choice. He's demonstrating through these people and the way that they chose to act. Abraham chose to sleep with Hagar. He could have just chosen to believe God and have a child with Sarah, even though it was, it was impossible. And it was taking decades for it to happen. <coughs> decades. Anyone here holding hold to a promise from God for decades? That's a long time. It's hard. But you, you're required to do that. <laughs> Even if you're not seeing it, you don't go out and sleep with someone to make it an Ishmael. You don't do that. <laughs> Abraham did that and he was wrong. <laughs> you wait and you believe. Because it's by faith that we live. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I'm trying to demonstrate here, God has a particular way of doing things. Abraham chose that. God goes, okay, you made the decision. That's fine. But I'm going to still go this way like I said I would. <clears> Hope <throat> that makes sense. Um, this is super key for you guys to get because this chapter is not showing God's sovereign, mysterious choice of people, duck, duck, goose. That's not what this passage is about. He, he is showing you he is sending a message to his people that he works through faith and through the promise instead of, my, instead of man doing something to help God out. Abraham did something to help God out and God goes, I don't work that way, bro. That makes sense? That's God's sovereign choice. <clears throat> okay, um, let's go back again. <sighs> Bible. Good question. Supreme power. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I find it a difficult question to answer. I don't fully know and understand myself exactly how God's sovereignty works, if I'm totally honest with you. I'm still learning. I do believe that God <coughs> is sovereign and is overall in charge, but I definitely do not believe everything that happens is God's will. 100% I do not believe that. Mm. Um, I actually got some here. Oh, okay. But yeah, thank you. Let me just have a quick sip. <laughs> <laughs> that was so kind of you. Thank you so much. You're looking out for me. I appreciate that. That's family right there, guys. That's family. Um, <clears throat> okay, let's keep reading. Uh, da, 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 da. So verse, let's go verse 7 again. Nor because they are his descendants are they all Abraham's children, right? So, like I just said, Isaac, yes, Ishmael, no. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it is not the children of, by physical descent who are God's children, but it's the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. Mm. Let's just back up what I just said. For this was how the promise was stated. At the appointed time, I will return and Sarah will have a son. Verse 10. Not only that, but Rebekah's children were conceived at the same time by our father Isaac. Yet, before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose in election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger. Just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. This is where I got a bit unstuck myself. I was like, okay, God... What it sounds like you're saying is you've um, given Rebecca these <coughs> twin baby boys and you've said the, the younger one, the one that comes out second, 
is going to serve the older one, which is backwards in Hebrew culture. It's always the old one gets everything. Um, <clears throat> but it seems like God looked down the barrel of time, said, hmm, Esau, I'm just going to hate and Jacob, I'm going to love and just not explain anything else. That's how, it, that's how it felt to me as I read this passage. I was like, why would you do that, God? Why, why would you look down and say, I hate this one. I love this one. Now, <clears throat> this is what happened to me as I started to ask God what, what this was about. That part where it says in verse 13, just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated, does not come before the boys are born, but after. <clears throat> it's in Malachi 1, 2, and 3. Um, it's one of the first things written in the book of Malachi. Um, <clears throat> that is in hindsight. That is after the fact. And although it says before they had done anything good or bad, God prophesied and said, there will be the younger serving the older. It is not as if God made that happen and forced that to happen, if that makes sense. Um, he did not create Esau to do evil things and Jacob to do good things and then blessed Jacob because of that. That is not what this is saying. But God, did, God does see the future. I do believe that God does see the future. He does know how they're going to act. And he goes and he prophesies that to Rebecca and says, the younger one is going to serve the older one. Now, let me explain this story a bit more because otherwise it's not going to make any sense. Huh? Oh, sorry. What did I say? The older will serve the younger. No, it's... The younger will serve... Oh, wait. Oh, yes. Sorry, you're right. The older will serve the younger. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, (sighs) Rebecca is pregnant. She's got twins, two boys. Jacob is the older one. Oh, sorry, Esau is the older one. <laughs> Jacob is the younger one, right? Now, Hebrew culture, the eldest son gets everything. Does anyone know much about Hebrew culture and that sort of stuff? What do they get if you're the older one? You get two-thirds of everything. At least in okay, yeah. culture at the time, it was two-thirds of everything. The youngest one kind of got one-third. Okay, you get greater inheritance because you're the elder one. Do you also get like the family line, title, land, that kind of stuff. I imagine you probably would. Yeah. This is where I, I, I don't know that much about Hebrew culture, but anyway, the older one gets everything, right? So Esau came out a few minutes earlier, whatever. He now, just by being born a bit earlier, inherited all these amazing things, right? What happened is one day Esau is really hungry. This is just such a funny story. He's really hungry and Jacob's making some food. Esau goes, hey, Jacob, <clears throat> give me some of that food and I'll trade you my birthright. Cool. So everything that is mine, all the double inheritance, all that sort of stuff, I'll give that to you if you give me one meal. <laughs> so Esau despised, this is what the Bible says, Esau despised his birthright despised his inheritance, despised his family line, despised the promises, everything that was his, he despised it. Why? Because he treated it with contempt. He traded it for a meal. He didn't care. Jacob goes, sweet, I'll take that. He takes, he takes the birthright. And there's this crazy thing that happens. Isaac's going like blind, he's really old. And like apparently he can give like one last blessing before he dies. <clears throat> Such a weird story. Um, Esau is like really hairy. <laughs> yeah. 
And so <clears throat> that's how Isaac would know who was he's speaking to because he'd touch Esau's arms and Esau's like really hairy. So it's oh it's Esau. Hey Esau, how you going? And um, <laughs> Jacob was not as not as hairy. And so Jacob, what he did was he was a he was a naughty boy. He <laughs> he lied to Isaac and he put all his hair over his arms and he went and saw his father and said, Father, give me a blessing. And then Isaac reaches out, touches his arms, and he goes, Oh, it's Esau. Of course I'll give you a blessing. You're my firstborn son. So it's blessing and giving him all these things. And then it's actually Jacob dressed up as Esau. And somehow, this is where it's just really weird to me. Jacob gets the blessing because Isaac accidentally gave it to him. And he can only give it once. Mm. So Esau comes in later and goes, what the heck? You gave it to Jacob. It's supposed to be mine. And he doesn't get it. And Isaac's like, oh no, I gave it to Jacob. (laughs) It's a really weird story. But the point is... Am I right in saying that? Am I historically correct? Yeah, yeah with all that stuff? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but the funny thing is that, is that the mum is into it as well. Yeah. Oh, is she? Oh. Yeah, the mum's oh, yeah, the one that makes Jacob dress up as Esau. Oh. She picks up the plot. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot about the mum. She's the... She's the brand. Soap opera, yeah. I know, I read this so long why? Because the mum loves Jacob. Yeah, the mum the favours Jacob over Esau. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, she, it says, yeah, it she says had the kitchen. Yeah. She had the prophecy that Jacob would be the, like the ruler, but obviously Esau being the older brother automatically got it, but she still held on to that prophecy of Jacob being the, the older one. So she thought of, she was the one, her and Jacob were very much together. It wasn't um, Esau who actually gave the birthright, like offered the birthright. Jacob was like, well, I'll give you this food for your... Oh, birthday. is that what happened? Okay, my bad. So he was the one who pulled the birthright out of Esau. Like basically, he was like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah you want some? Like, this give me food or I'm going to die. Yeah. And he's like, if you give me a birthright. Oh, yeah, true. And then he's Thank like, you guys. Esau, Esau treated you because he didn't care about it, but he didn't offer it on the table. True, true. Actually, I guess the question. point... Yes. Oh, you go. I was going to say, the point still remains, he didn't care about his birthright yeah. and J- Jacob wanted it. He 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 desired it and went after it. He went he went after the promises of God. Basically, mm. does that make sense? Yeah. He wanted it bad. That's a good thing. He did a bad thing to get it, but he still wanted it, and that's good. <laughs> Courtney, <laughs> I was just gonna ask. Where it says um, Jacob, as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Is that like God or is that Rachel? God. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's God. Am I right? Malachi one. It's God. Yeah, God said that. Um, Another translation is, Jacob, I have accepted, Esau, I have rejected. Um, what I think that means, because it's, it's, it sounds like very harsh language, and it is, but the way Esau acted was horrible. He despised God's way of doing things. He despised all the inheritance that he had. He despised his birthright. God's like, I hate that. He still, and hey, here's the thing. Remember the family tree, right? You got Abraham. We got Ishmael and we got Israelites. These got uh, sorry Isaac. This Ishmael goes off and makes his own people, whatever they're called, the Ishmaelites. Is that right? <laughs> then you got Isaac, the Isaacites. No, it doesn't, it doesn't work. You got Isaac, and then you got beneath Isaac, you got Jacob, and you got Esau. Right? God does God choose both for the, the continuation of His promise? No. He does bless both. Am I right in saying this? He does bless both, but he chooses Jacob. So he goes, but, but, but. He could have gone, but, 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 but. Like, there's, 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 different, there's different paths he could take through this family tree. Yeah. And which one did he do? Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob. Why? Faith, faith, faith. But. Promise, promise, promise. Faith, promise, identity. 
Jacob wanted that identity of the firstborn son. He wanted all those things, right? God is teaching you something by what he's choosing, sovereignly choosing at this, at this point. Does that make sense? The whole point is that um, it is not as though God's word has failed. This was always the point. Faith, faith, faith. That, remember how, how many times it says in, in the word, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Mm-hmm. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Mm-hmm. Why is it not just the God of Jacob? Why is it not just the God of Abraham? Because not all of Abraham's children, children were part of Israel. And not even all of Israel is part of Israel. Mm-hmm. It's faith. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, wait, where was it? Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> oh man, struggling. Oh no, I'm in the wrong translation, that's why. While you're looking through that, um, Hebrews 11 actually takes you through from creation all the way through all yeah. the different acts of faith and tells you. That is, a, that is a great thing to mention here because that's exactly right. It goes through all the Old Testament and says, this person showed faith by this, this person showed faith by this. It's so many. Well, and so you get, oh, okay, faith looks like that. Hebrews Thank you. What? Hebrews 11. Um, yeah, the NLT says in verse 8, this means that Abraham's physical descendants are not necessarily children of God. Does that make sense? Mm. Not necessarily. They could be, but not necessarily by the promise. And do you know why it's not necessarily? Because it would depend on if they had faith in him or not. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Good. Um, <laughs> hope you guys are following. I hope this makes sense. Um, you see how God is? He chooses people to work through. He didn't plan all these horrible things to happen in the Old Testament. People did them and he responded by going, no, no, I work this way, this way, and this way. <laughs> I like that. It makes a lot more sense than God, duck, duck, goose, you know? Um, okay, okay. Now, God is trying to send everyone a message. Even though people are crazy and sinful, He still chooses sovereignly who He is going to work His amazing promises through. That is God's sovereign, that is God's sovereign choice. Not randomness, faith and works. It's not, yeah, I pick you, 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 you and you. I'll just, whatever. Whatever you guys do in your life, I'm just going to work through you guys. It's not like that. It's these guys tried to do it on their own by faith, by doing something, by, you know, I'm a Jew, therefore I am. And these guys go, no, no, I believe in God. And God goes, yeah, I'm going for that guy. (laughs) That is how he works. Okay, let's keep reading. 14, verse 14. Um, Are we saying then? Yeah. I'm a little bit stuck. Oh, did I not come back to you? Sorry. Oh, no, you already did. I did? Okay. Yeah, just a different thing. I'm a little bit stuck with the whole, like, word hate, I guess, because, like, you're saying that he chooses where he wants to work, and I'm going, oh, yeah, I'm all with that, and I'm all with, like, the other person, like, the other kid in the story getting blessed or whatever in a different Mm -hmm. way, but, like, it's very specific. He uses the word hate, Mm. and that's where I'm just like, oh, like, Mm. a little bit, like, Mm. but... You know, like I want to feel the word love there instead, mm. but it says hate, and I'm just a yeah. little bit thrown off. You almost want it to say, I hate what Esau did, 
but it doesn't say that. It says well, I. I want it to say like I loved Jacob more or something. It's like because he loved me or something. I don't know. I think I just mm. don't understand like with the hate thing because I think of like these people as real people is how like I'm trying to visualize. Yeah, it. and they are. Yeah, and like there's like people in my life who I can go kind of like relate these people to to make it more real for me and go like all right those people aren't walking in alignment with god and actually mm-hmm. don't want the blessings that god's given them mm-hmm. but i still like go god loves them 100 but then i'm like do i have to actually alter that perspective to go you know, no he I'm hates them confused like no because yep. he doesn't hate them but then this literally says god hates him mm. but then i'm like oh kind of just just say like god just hates yeah i guess like what he's done mm. do you know what i mean yeah, um, I'm not fully 100% confident on my answer on this, but it's probably what you just said at the end there. I think that through the, okay, that, like I said, Old Testament, shadow. You do get a picture of God, it's blurry. Mm. Jesus makes it very clear. Mm. Did he walk around hating anyone? Did he walk around um, despising anyone? Did he walk around rejecting people that say, I want to follow you, Jesus? And he goes, no, 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 sorry. You, you have not been sovereignly chosen for this mission. Mm. Did he walk around going, um, I just hate you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it just doesn't fit. You know what I mean? I guess like but in my mind, I go, but that's when there's the option of new man. Do you know what I mean? Like the option of like, um, like actually following something else like i don't know i guess like the people in the old testament didn't have their jesus yet like um and i guess not everyone in my mind how i see it like actually knew about all the prophecy and knew about all that stuff so like they only know god really and if Mm -hmm. they can't if they don't actually know his character enough to um be transformed to look like him um you can luke luke you go first then chris you can go next um step one mm. uh, whenever a verse is quoted in the bible yeah, read it in where it's actually read because if you read malachi it's like it's a super specific context to who's actually saying it to and he's saying it to um the jews who are saying god's saying i have loved you says the lord but you say you guys are saying well how have you loved us and then he goes, is not Esau Jacob's brother declares the Lord. Yet I've loved Jacob, but Esau I've hated. And he talks about, essentially, you're, you're asking all these questions like, God, why are you doing this? Why? And he's like, it's so clear because you are rejecting me. You're rejecting my character. You're rejecting everything, but you're still claiming to be right with me. You're, right. Still, you're putting the blame back on me being like, well, God, shouldn't you have the promises? Remember, I'm a child of Israel. I'm a child. But God's like clearly you missed the point here and so he's bringing this back to I love Jacob because of his heart and the way he pursued right. me this but is what Esau, I like this yeah. is what I don't like and you're being like Esau treating sure. everything that I loved with contempt you're you know abusing orphans and widows and, and you know sacrificing the other gods in my temple and, and you don't get it yeah. like what's wrong what's wrong with yeah. you like this is what and then he goes on you know this is what I desire you know to act justly to walk humbly whatever that verse that everyone comes about. So he's actually yeah. like trying to teach them what Jesus yeah. looks like before because Jesus. The first verse he says, I have loved you. So <laughs> he's talking to, he says to the girl, I have loved you and you completely have missed it. And, but he's still loving, he's trying to teach him in a way to actually correct mm. them. Awesome. Chris, wow. can you add on top of that? That was awesome. <laughs> I think the, the other little piece to add on, because I mean, that was pretty much what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, God hates sin. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Um, 
sin is rejecting his goodness. Mm. And um, hate here actually would mean um, detest mm. because he has rejected the promise and he threw it away. Mm. If you go back to Exodus, I think it's um, Exodus when Moses goes up to the mountain, God says, I'll have compassion on him, I'll have compassion. What he's really doing is he's trying to draw people in to his goodness. He says, I'll show you my goodness. And he had his goodness revealed for Esau. And Esau threw it away. And don't look at hate as in want to persecute and hurt. The English language is a little bit tricky. Mm -hmm. It's detest. I mean, if if I click onto Strong's here, it says, by extension to Lovelace. um, And the word mios means uh, to detest, Mm. especially to persecute. And we don't really have a view on this, but the character of God is to call people back to repentance. Mm. And um, it seems that Esau had a path of this kind of behavior. Yeah, for sure. I think that also sits perfectly with, like I always bring this stuff when I get confused, I always bring it back to Jesus and I go, if he is the revelation of the Father, how did he act towards everyone? Mm. Not just through his disciples, not just to those who believed in in his word, everyone. Mm. Did he hate anyone? Did he like, um, do you know what I mean? All that stuff I said before, right? No, he didn't. In fact, he died for everyone and he desires all men to come into, into repentance and to be saved. All men. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, that's why I get a bit hung up with those words and it's good that we have a bit of a definition yeah. there because I go, I bet that probably means he, he despised what Esau did and he still wanted Esau to come to repentance and draw him into his goodness because I know that's his character. Yeah. You know what I mean? How, does I that, that make sense? That's like why I wanted to bring it up is because like I knew if I didn't have like get clarity, I knew there was clarity needed because I would just go home thinking, God, yeah. what? Like, why? Why did yeah, you? Like, yeah, why? Hey, like, yeah. and then I wouldn't get anywhere but I kind of yeah. knew like, that word was just, I was taking it yeah. wrong. Like, you know when you're reading it wrong. Yeah. Then, yeah. And to think that what you just did was really good because you go, you you weren't, you didn't just receive it and go, oh, he just hates some people and just keep moving on. You're like, nah, you know what? It doesn't sit right with me. Mm-hmm. God, I need help. Teach me. Or you put your hand up and ask a question. That's good. That's what we need to do. Every time <laughs> you, you, you hit a Bible verse and you go, I don't get it. Go, God, help me explain it to me. Because I know it's awesome. I know what it means is actually awesome. I just don't get it right now. Yeah. Every time I've done that, I've been I've been taught what it means. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's crazy. I'll, I'll share with you the next little bit, actually. He randomly dropped a passage into my head one morning and it, mm-hmm. it fully explained the next section. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> out of nowhere. Anyway, let's read it because I'm excited about this part. Um, let's read 14 to 16. Oh, my Bible out keeps restarting. That's silly. Why you do this? All right, go back to the ESV. Have your way. <coughs> okay, verse 14. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. So is God unfair? Hell no, Paul says. <laughs> For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then, it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whom he, on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. Now, um, <clears throat> you cannot choose who God shows mercy on and who he doesn't. You can't say, 
God, you should just show mercy on everyone. You can't do that. And that's kind of what Paul's addressing here. You can't say, um, oh, he, should, he, should, he should be showing mercy on me. No, 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 no. He has a way of doing things. His way is faith. And if you're not in it, he's not showing mercy on you. That's what Paul is saying here. It's not saying he has chosen specifically some people predestined for him to show mercy on and on those he will show mercy. He is saying on those who show faith in him, he will show mercy. Now, this is, this is a crazy part. One day I was reading the... Um, uh, actually, no, before I get to that... Um, <clears throat> So if you say in response to this, you go, he should show it to everyone, that actually means that you're saying that anything goes, right? He should show mercy to everyone. He should have compassion on everyone. No, everything doesn't go. His way goes. <laughs> That's what this passage is trying to address here. Has, has God's word failed in the Old Testament? Shouldn't he just like justify them, make them right in his sight? No, they haven't done it the way he said. That's what Paul's addressing here. He has chosen this way and not that way. You've got to understand that. It's justified by faith. Um, uh, no human work. There's no universalism. And by grace alone, through faith alone. That is who he is. And this passage demonstrates that. He demonstrated that through both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, and verse 17, 18. I'll read that one part one just again. Um, for the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you and that my name may, may, might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. Now, like I said before, did God go, okay, I've got an idea. I'm going to create a man. His name's going to be Pharaoh. I don't know what his actual name was, but I'm sure God knew that. He's going to be the Pharaoh. He's going to be, and it, Pharaoh was, this is back in the Moses, like Israel, pulling people out of Egypt, that sort of stuff, with the Red Sea parting, all that sort of stuff. Pharaoh was, Basically, the God, lowercase g, of the world. He was so damn powerful. He, he ran the most like incredible kingdom empire ever, right? Did God go, I'm going to create this man. I'm going to turn his heart into a hardened thing by whatever, thing, whatever, um, whatever means. And then I'm going to keep on showing him all these things and then punish him for him not, do, for him not doing it my way. Did he do that? Because it kind of sounds like that, right? Verse 17... For the, for the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up that I might show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has, he has mercy on whomever he wills and he hardens whomever he wills. When I read stuff like whomever he wills, I go, is it random? Is it just like this guy gets it, this guy doesn't? But if you read in the context of justified by faith, it's not saying that. It's saying mercy on those who trust in him, believe in him, cling to him and have faith in him and uh, wrath on those who don't. <coughs> now, it's a little bit different in the New Testament because Jesus absorbed all the wrath of God. But anyway, let's keep moving. Um, now, if you go back and read the story of Moses and Pharaoh, Moses is given a task Go into Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let my people go, right? That's his task. Get my people out of that kingdom. As it's going through that whole thing, at some points it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And at other points it says Pharaoh hardened his own heart. 
that was a big stumbling block for me because it, what it felt like to me was God flipped a switch in his heart and said, hard, <laughs> and then sent all these plagues at him. I was like, what? <laughs> you can't do that, God. That's not fair. He didn't have a choice. You made him hard. You, ma- you made his heart hard. <laughs> That's not fair. Um, here's the question. How did, because it does say God hardened his heart, but how did he harden his heart? Did he flick a switch and go, now your heart's hard? Or did he extend to him kindness, an opportunity, an opportunity to repent? Opportunity upon opportunity upon opportunity and time and time again, up to 10 times I think it is. And he still didn't let go. So do you know when people are really angry and aggressive and like hostile towards you and violent and you try and be nice to them and kind to them and loving to them and what happens? They get more angry and more intense and more hostile and more violent and you go again, kindness, more kindness, more kindness, more love and they get more and more and more. That's what happened. Opportunity after opportunity for him to turn and repent and come towards God. And Pharaoh goes, no, no. Harden his heart. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, what are you laughing at? Am I acting? Nice. <laughs> um, I believe that what this means is that the kindness and the opportunities that God gave Pharaoh made him more and more hard and God used that to demonstrate what his response is to those who are hard-hearted. <clears throat> God is very severe with those who are hard-hearted and have acted with evil. You need to understand the kindness of God and the severity of God. There is both. There is both. We don't like the severity of God. We don't want to talk about it. No one wants to talk about it. Soon it will probably be illegal to talk about it, to be honest. It's already getting to the point of like hate speech in this country. You say anything bad about anyone, offend anyone. Hate speech, go to jail. It sounds like equality, doesn't it? <laughs> um, sorry, I don't want to get political. Um, <clears throat> okay. Um, let's read the next little bit. Because it's going to explain what I just said. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same vessel, same lump, one vessel for honorable use and one for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath pre-prepared, sorry, prepared for destruction, in order to make known the riches of his glory for the vessels of mercy, which he has prepared for, beforehand for glory? Now, this is where I woke up one day and I was like, Going to read the Bible with my breakfast is what I did for a while. And I said, God, what should I read today? And he goes, Jeremiah 18. And I said, what? I don't read Jeremiah. What are you talking about? I read <laughs> Philippians and stuff. <laughs> um, the good stuff. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Relax. Um, he goes, Jeremiah 18. I go, I have no, I don't even know the context. I barely know anything about Jeremiah. Why am I reading Jeremiah 18? So I flipped there and I was like, okay, Jeremiah 18. Surely I'm just making this crap up in my head. But then I got there and I was like, oh, damn. Um, It explained a lot to me. Um, Okay. Listen to this, Jeremiah 18. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, arise and go down to the potter's house. Notice the language here. The potter's house. And there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house 
and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. So he's watching this guy create things with clay, and all of a sudden, the clay spoils. Apparently, there's something, something to do with water or something like that. Like, it actually, the clay can actually spoil. And as it spoiled, the, the, the potter was like, oh, I was going to make it into a mug. Oh, I guess I can, oh, it's spoiled now. What can I make it into? Oh, I don't know, something else. And he makes it into something else. And so, um, as it was the clay that determined what the potter did with the clay. Does that make sense? The clay spoiled and the potter did something with it. Read the next little bit. It's crazy. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as the potter has done, declares the Lord? Behold, like clay in the potter's hand, so you are in my hand, O house of Israel. If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, and if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. <clears throat> and if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it, and if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I intended to do to it. Now therefore say to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of, of, of Jerusalem, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am shaping disaster against you and devising a plan against you. Return everyone from his evil way and amend your ways and your deeds. So, does that make sense? God's like, I'm going to do a really good thing to this kingdom. But if they turn, then I will relent from that good I was going to do. And I'm going to use them for another purpose to show my wrath against them. And if I say to this kingdom, I'm going to show my wrath against them, I'm going to destroy them and break them down. If they turn to me and do good, then I'm going to change my mind about that too and do good to them. So what does it depend on? Faith. Yeah, the faith and the, the kingdom. <laughs> what they did. They're the clay. And so as I was reading Romans 9, I was like, man, God's, God's, the, God, God's the potter with the clay and he's doing whatever he wants with it and using, he's preparing some things for destruction and some things for good use. That's not it. He says, you are, like malt, you are like clay in my hands. And if and if you go bad, I can use you to show people what I do when people go bad. Or if you go good, I can use you to show people what I do when you go good. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Pharaoh went bad. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh turned away from him. And so God made made a decision based on what Pharaoh had done, where Pharaoh had placed his faith in himself, obviously not in God. He made a decision, I am going to do this with Pharaoh. If he turns, I'll, ch- I'll change as well. But if he doesn't, it, he's, a, he's a vessel prepared for destruction. So we don't like this language. But Pharaoh made the decision. Does that make sense? Are you going to say something? I'm just going to add one more thing to that. Like from the New Testament... Because uh, I think it's one of the only other times in the New Testament, or in the Bible, that talks about vessels of destruction. Yeah. And it says um, in the two Timothy, in the context of being a good worker approved for Christ, it says, "Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood, clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable use." Sounds very similar to Romans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it says, "Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be used as a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy and useful for useful for the master, ready for every good work." There you go. That's exactly what I'm saying. So if anyone cleanses himself, <coughs> you decide what kind of clay you're going to be. 
You do, where you place your faith. It is not God's sovereign choice going, these guys destruction, these guys glory. It is not how it works. <laughs> There's a verse, I'm not sure exactly where it is, I think it's in Deuteronomy. It says, I have placed good and evil before you, life and death. Choose. <laughs> Choose life, yeah. It's a good verse. <laughs> um, we're getting late, um, aren't we? How long are we going for? A while. Oh, damn. We're going for a long time. I'm sorry if you guys have fallen asleep. Um, okay, let's wrap this thing up then. Everyone's like, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Um, <laughs> you do answer prayers. <laughs> um, okay. He does not predestine people for punishment and make them hard-hearted. He predestines all people to be conformed to the image of His Son. That is predestination. That is predestination. Are you predestined? Hell yeah. To what? The image of Jesus? Yes. <laughs> Everyone is. Before the creation of the world, you were predestined. To what? To be like Jesus? That's what I'm talking about. I like that predestination. See, there is a way to read it that makes me get joyful. Before it made me cry. Now I'm happy. Thank you, Jesus. It's good. It's good. Um, a little bit. I was like, what? Why, God? Who are those who are prepared for glory? Who are those who are prepared for glory? Those who have faith in the promise and trust in God. And Jesus is the author and perfecter of your faith. He's the one who gives you your faith. He works with you with this stuff. It's not, it's all on you guys. Go ahead and do it. But it is a decision that we make. We partner with him in this stuff. You know what I'm saying? Just like you can unpartner with him and do whatever the heck you want. <laughs> That's not his will, but you can do that. That's your decision to make. Life and death are before you. Choose. Who are those who, prepare for, who, are, who are prepared for destruction? The hard-hearted. The hard-hearted people who do not believe God at His word. They do not believe and have faith in God. Those are who are prepared for destruction. Can they change? Absolutely. Does God want them to change? 100%. Will He do anything so that they can change? Absolutely. In fact, He even sent His Son so they would change. But they might not. And it's up to them. That's their decision that they have to make for themselves. We can draw them in to the kingdom, persuading them, come, come, there's life. I promise you there's life here. But it's on them whether they want to or not. Do you notice how you can never help someone who doesn't want to be helped? Impossible. Try. You might think it's working. It ain't. They can only be helped if they want to be helped. Draw them, persuade them, draw them into the kingdom. Um, so, what do I think about predestination? <clears throat> God desires all men to be saved. That's a Bible verse. God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of Him. Every single one. Does He know who's going to choose Him? I believe yes. I believe He does know. Does He force them to make a decision? No. Does He want them to make a different decision? Sorry, does He want them to choose Him? Absolutely. But it is on them and He respects them enough to do that. And they actually have to have a will of their own. Otherwise, they don't image him because he has a will of his own. 
Does that make sense? Yes. People that say he doesn't have a, you don't have free will, then you're not in his image. Yeah. <clears throat> he has given you responsibility. He has given you a choice to make. And hope, I hope after tonight you can see, oh crap, I actually do have a choice to make. It's not, life's just not going to just go by in this flurry of things. I've got decisions to make. Mm. I've got a place to put my faith. That's my decision to make. Where I put my faith is my decision to make. And I'm going to put it in him. Because then he sees me as right in his sight. <laughs> and that changes everything. And if you don't think it changes everything, you're not seeing it right. And if you're like, yes, I get it, Nath. Justify by faith, great, boring. <laughs> you, he sees you way higher than you see yourself. Way higher. He sees you as like perfect, royal, washed, clean. He's so proud of you with your faith. That pleases him. And you're bored? You don't get it. So say, God, teach me. I don't get it. He goes, sweet. I've been waiting 20 years for you to ask me that. <laughs> Legit. <laughs> he wants to teach you. If you want to explode and enjoy every single thing you read in the Bible, it's right there. It's just, he's waiting for you to ask. Holy Spirit's going to teach you it. He wrote the book. Remember? He wrote the book. You can sit down one-on-one -on -one with the author and he teaches you. He goes, yeah, when I wrote that, I meant this, and this means that for you. And you're like, whoa, he's the author. <laughs> it's good, it's good. Um, I was going to read more, but like we're just, I've gone for ages, so I'm sorry. Um, but if you go further on in Romans 10, 11, 12, so on and so forth, all that stuff is, is, is talking about being justified by faith, especially chapter 10. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Faith comes by hearing. All these things, right? Justified by faith. You are made, that's the main message of tonight, guys. You are made right in His sight by faith. And if you don't like that message, then you don't get it. If you don't like that message, then you don't get it. I promise you, you do not understand it. So I say, God, teach me it. Why is it such a big deal that I get this? Why, are you, why is Paul so obsessed with this message? Why is this all he talked about? decades show me show me what Paul was thinking when he wrote this message when he wrote the when he wrote the letter what was he thinking and how did he get to that point I want to be like that you can he's just a man Paul's just a man he's nothing special God shows no favoritism everyone's the same so you can have the exact same revelation as him and even more if you ask for it by grace through faith Jesus, does that make, does that make sense? Yeah. I know it's a, it's, a, it's a hectic topic, but any questions, any, where do everyone want to go to bed? <laughs> I want to go to bed. <laughs> we good? Yeah. Great. Yeah. Thanks, I feel like, she <laughs> started that. I was going to say, sometimes I feel like people want to ask questions, but then they're like, oh, I feel guilty because everyone else probably wants to go to bed. So... <laughs> They can wait if you have a question. Anyone have any questions? Legit none? Okay, that's cool. Thank you, Jesus. You're amazing. We love you. Don't forget those, these two books here. If anyone yes, go, 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 book. Great reads. Great reads. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs>